Welcome to the program today. My name is Mono Gonzalez here with a prophecy update. I have a couple great guys in studio today, Derek Gilbert and Josh Peck. Welcome, hey, guys. Thanks Thank for having us. And we are here to talk a little bit about, um, I want to pick their brains about the metaverse. And some of you might or might not know about this, but it is the latest trend that's coming um, that Facebook is very much involved. And of course, they are a gigantic, one of the largest corporations in the world. Their reach goes everywhere, as you can imagine. And uh, before we, we start here, guys, I want to give you a, just a definition, and then maybe you can add to it or subtract. It's just a version of the internet that will blend virtual and augmented reality with traditional computing. I mean, th this word is thrown out there. From your guys' perspective, what is it? I, I think the easiest way for viewers to get a handle on what this is, what they're talking about, is just think of the Matrix. Mm. You know, not that we're encouraging your viewers to watch the Matrix films. They're violent, they're uh, you know, inappropriate for younger viewers. But uh, I think that's a good representation of what they're trying to create here. And uh, Facebook, as you say, it's a company with a market capitalization that's nearing $1 trillion. So, and they're betting the future of the company on this. Uh, they've changed the, the company's uh, corporate uh, identity from Facebook to Meta. So they're putting a lot of money behind this. They're not planning to lose this. I think that uh, kind of immersive, completely immersive environment is what we're talking about. Yeah, and I think the culture has been shaped for a long time to accept this kind of thing because, like you said, I mean, the Matrix movies, they're actually, at this point, they're kind of old now. Yeah. And But even then, that idea had already been around for a while. So this idea of creating this other reality apart from what God created us for... Uh, creating this other reality in our own image. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's coming. If your viewers aren't familiar with that, if, if Star Trek Second Generation with the holodeck would have completely immersive environments where people could go in there and get some wreck time while they were out in space by uh, engaging in, in things that were absolutely real. And I think that's what they're trying to create. Now, I, I think it's going to take a while to get there because the processing power to make this happen isn't there yet, but the fact that you've got companies like uh, Nike loading in and uh, creating virtual sneakers that you can only buy in the metaverse, Gucci making handbags you can only buy in the metaverse, real estate developers just within the last week as we record this have spent more than $7 million buying virtual real estate, bits and bytes that they will then resell to other people to play these games. I think the reality is we are moving toward an, a... a a fictional reality, an artificial reality that will be so appealing, especially in a world that we live in where bad things happen. Mm -hmm. It will be very attractive, especially for our kids and grandkids who grow up with uh, internet-connected devices almost out of the cradle, mm -hmm. to lose themselves in that. Yeah. I mean, don't underestimate what we're talking about here. I mean, we're... I mean three white guys in suits up here, which we don't, <laughs> we're not trying to be uh, really distanced from anybody, but we're trying to analyze this in a way that's biblical, that's theological. I mean, in, in the sense of, I wrote down here that just thinking about some of the ways that there's, there's going to be, they're going to take advantage of the cryptocurrency uh, really mentality. They have non-fungible tokens. Mm -hmm. they, their artwork, digital collectibles, music, avatars, that people are actually paying money to have this very specific piece of artwork that cannot be copied, has a signature to it, and they're using this as currency within the system. Um, it reminds me, in the sense of theologically, how does this uh, ability to create your own reality um, stand in opposition to God's sovereignty and his providence in running the world the way that he wants? And granted, there's evil in our world. He's allowed it. He didn't, he didn't create it, but he's allowed it. So when evil comes into our world, it's part, especially even for Christians, 
He allows it for his reasons. But if we just turn around and go escape this, mm-hmm. we jump into our own world. We, I, I come home. I don't want to be with you know, this family. I want to create my own family. Yeah. Or I don't like this job. I'm going to create. How does that kind of contradict maybe God's purposes? Yeah, it's instead of learning how to deal in the physical world that God gave us. And yeah, there are difficulties. But we also, if we accept Jesus Christ, we have God that guides us through those. And we become better people coming out the other side of those. Um, one, one of my kids had cancer for two years. So, I mean, my wife and I understand this really well. And our family is a lot stronger today than we were a couple of years ago when that first started. So while there are bad things, like the Bible says, God can work all those things together for good. So what people instead want to do is instead of um, going through those experiences, which will help them become better people, more well-rounded, and learn how to get around in the, in the physical world better, Instead, they want to escape into a virtual world. If they do that, they're going to remain stagnant, stagnant at whatever their level of develop, spiritual development was uh, at that point, and they'll just create their own thing in this virtual world. So, uh, yeah, I can definitely see that being a big issue. We were talking before the show. I remember a time before the Internet, and uh, now we live in a world after the Internet. But my kids, they don't know a world without the Internet. Like, they can't even imagine it. I, I, I talk to my oldest daughter sometimes and tell her kind of what life was like in the you know, early 90s or late 80s. And like, she's, up. yeah, it wasn't even that long ago, but like, she just has no concept of it because everything's digital, internet, streaming, you know, we can order anything we want, you know, uh, we don't have to go to the store. It's, just, it's a different world. Well, I think that level of change is going to be uh, expected when the metaverse really hits. And they're, they're saying five or 10 years, so it's not really that far away. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think that that level of just world shattering, changing, stuff is is going to happen and we who are on this side of it remembering a time where there wasn't a metaverse are going to have a really hard time um talking with or connecting with people who that's their whole world so yeah and, and i think uh, taking it a step further i think the lack of personal interaction yeah um it will have profound uh, a profound impact on our our families our culture we we've already seen a hint of this over the last couple of years with all the covid lockdowns and children having to attend school virtually through a Zoom, uh, a, a screen via Zoom or Skype or whatever. And th- there's some research showing now that this is having some, uh, some developmental issues. It's, it's creating challenges with children who are not uh, socializing with other friends. They're, they're not uh, around other people. But I think even beyond that, if you get into a virtual reality uh, where the, the normal consequences that accrue in real life for bad decisions, touch the stove, you'll be burned. If things like that are removed, uh, you're also even going further in removing the empathy that we normally develop for one another when we understand as we grow how our actions affect other people, how other people feel when they're sad or lonely or hurt or whatever. In a virtual reality where there are no consequences for your actions, there is no uh, development in that regard. And I think we will see a world that becomes increasingly cruel, mm-hmm. um, just as prophecy tells us. Uh, yeah. The love of many will grow cold because there will be no interaction to develop that love that we as parents and as grandparents should engender in our children as we're training them up in the way they should go. If they're always engaged yeah. in an artificial reality with a headset on and it playing in a world where they can do anything to anyone without consequence. I mean, just look at the way games like uh, Grand Theft Auto where players are rewarded for doing unspeakable things yeah, to other characters in the game, 
Um, just imagine that now on steroids in a, in a completely immersive, three-dimensional, realistic environment. That is the way we will go. I mean, the Internet has been a wonderful tool. It enables programs like Prophecy Watchers or Skywatch TV to reach other people, but it's also a pipeline right into the pit of hell because the very worst of human depravity is also available on the Internet. The metaverse will make that available in three-dimensional form to uh, anyone who's got the, uh, the goggles and the Internet connection to connect. You know, the detrimental ramifications are really unlimited in what we're seeing here. And um, it reminds me of, you know, speak about this a little bit, that Genesis 3, uh, you know, the first lie that Satan offers humanity is, is you know, you can be as gods, mm -hmm. which ultimately is you can decide for yourself what you want. Uh, you don't need God's hand. You don't need God's providence, his, his, his sovereignty. We, we just want to remove that altogether. You can determine. I mean, how does that, that initial lie, we see his playbook, right? This is Satan's playbook. He's yeah. always wanted this. Of course, he wants the destruction of mankind. We see this inescapable, um, especially for the young kids. They're growing up on this, and I, I appreciate what you said about the insensitivity become very calloused. I mean, you play a video game, whether it's Grand Theft Auto or some of these other first-person shooters, and you, you, over the weekend, you killed, you know, 5,000 people. Mm -hmm. And then you go out and, and you experience life. There, there's a disconnect between the realities, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that that disconnect would progress even further. Imagine a child who's born into a post-metaverse world where everything is just immersed in this stuff now. Um, how are they going to think about the physical world if they have the metaverse available where anything is possible, they can do whatever they want? They're, they're going to learn to hate the physical world and the God who created it, unfortunately. And I think a lot of people are already heading in that direction. Great example, YouTube comments. I mean, talk about people not having empathy. And, and that's just text. Imagine, you know, a virtual person like standing in front of you and, and having the same kind of interactions. So, yeah, I think we're, we're definitely headed there. There are already articles appearing in major corporate media outlets about how uh, the metaverse, even in its infancy now, it's already being used by some players to physically assault other players. Women complaining that their avatars have been groped by male... Jeez. And, and again, this is not even anywhere near the level that it ultimately will be. But looking at this even further from a, uh, the perspective of the gospel, it's, it's all about immortality. It's all about uh, where we will spend eternity. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, that whole chapter is about resurrection and that if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? The point being that he was the template, the first fruits for the rest of us. Virtual reality, this, this metaverse, offers the illusion of immortality. That is just one small part of the transhumanist movement, which is, is selling the lie that we can somehow achieve immortality, virtual resurrection, without God. The thing is, if they manage to achieve it, I don't think they will, but if they manage to achieve that somehow, whether it's through the metaverse or through uh, upload to a cosmic mainframe right, or yeah. whatever, um, with unregenerate hearts, mm -hmm. sinful hearts, again, no consequences for your actions because now you know, thanks to science, we'll live forever, it will be hell on earth. Mm -hmm. It will literally be hell on earth. But interestingly, Revelation 9, they will seek death and death yeah. will flee from them. If they get what they want, they're not going to yeah. like it. It's amazing, huh? You know, it's important to remember that you have the transhumanist movement, which it's, it's part of the discussion today. It has to be. And that's, that's their desire really from a physical perspective, you know, to create uh, some sort of physiological answer, uh, you know, through DNA or whatever uh, to 
make the physical body last longer. But now you have this idea, we, we talked about it before, you know, programs on Amazon talking about uploading our consciousness. So you have the physical side, which they're trying. Again, Satan's lie, you shall not die. You know, again, showing his hand. But then you have the digital side. So now Satan's trying to provide something for both of them. Right, right. One, one of the programs that Sharon and I uh, watched and we commented on, on uh, the program that we produced for Skywatch TV for five years called Sci Friday, looking at the scientific world through uh, a, a biblical lens, uh, a program that we would not recommend that uh, you watch because it's very brutal and uh, inappropriate for young viewers, but a program on Netflix uh, called Altered Carbon. Mm. And it depicts the, uh, the consequences of radical life extension where biological suits essentially are cloned and memories are then just transferred to a new body when this one wears out so again no physical consequences for bad decisions you can do whatever you want as long as you have the the means to pay for the clones and you remember to back up your uh, your memory mm -hmm. uh, you know it again brutal inappropriate for younger viewers, but I think an accurate representation of what life would be like if the transhumanist movement, whether it's through biological radical life extension or through the, uh, the idea that somehow a uh, human consciousness can be digitized and uploaded, um, I, I don't think it would be a pleasant time. It would literally be hell on earth. Mm -hmm. And think about it. At best, it's a stall anyway. Even if you were able to actually upload a person's consciousness into a computer, Eventually, even in the most optimistic, you know, atheistic uh, um, scenario, the universe is going to burn out. Every particle is going to be shredded into nothing. Mm -hmm. So there won't be anything to hold the consciousness anymore. So at best, it's a stall. It might be, even, even if it was a billion-year stall, you're still going to die. You're still going to have to face what's on the other side. And, you know, whether it's 20 years or a billion years, if you're facing God, I mean, you want to be on the right side of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing is, that would be a scenario where the, if the operating system behind the cosmic mainframe ever locks up, yeah. the blue screen of death literally yeah. becomes yeah. the blue screen of death. <laughs> really yeah. You know, when we think about this, we're, we're talking in, in ways that are really far out there. But let's bring it back to the reality. So, I mean, we have hypotheticals, as you mentioned, through the biological or the digital. But that's almost an irrelevant question because whether it happens or not, it doesn't mean that the people who, who are living here now aren't having their worldview, their belief systems changed, which is, has eternal significance. And that is the, the real danger here. Uh, I, I say again, I don't believe that the transhumanists will ever actually achieve their goal of defeating death through science. But the danger is that they're convincing a lot of young people that they can, mm -hmm. and they're putting their faith in that rather than in the promises of eternal life that we have through Jesus Christ, who guaranteed that those would come true by prophesying his resurrection and then making it happen. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, nothing to add. <laughs> you said it well. <laughs> you know, um, we think about uh, in, in Genesis 3 where you brought up something which kind of sparked my mind is that um, you have them eating of the fruit, mm -hmm. sin nature coming, and then God sends the cherub, you know, with the mm -hmm. sword to prevent them. And he says something interesting. You know, he says, um, unless they reach out their hand and eat of the tree of life mm -hmm. and live forever, right. he, he, he guards them from that. So the tree of life seems to be that even prior to this, I mean, we, it, it's, it's good the theological speculation or, or conjecture in my mind is that it wasn't necessarily even at the end that the bodies that we have 
Um, maybe they are, um, their physical bodies, we know mm -hmm. they are, but maybe they are allowed to live forever because God has granted us access again, which we know, to the tree of life. Yep. And so it's not that they'll live uh, uh, forever on their own, right. but because we have that access, access, God has said, I've allowed you access to a mechanism which will give you eternal life. Right. And so in that Genesis 3, God specifically says, we have to prevent them from having access in their sinful state to this. So God has said right at the beginning that eternal life is not going to happen apart from His sovereign gospel work. Yeah, and we'll, we'll remain eternally dependent on that. That's why the tree of life shows up back, uh, yes. again at the end of Re Revelation for the healing of the nations. Yep. It's like that's the eternal state. What healing is there? It's not healing like they're hurt. It's it's a constant dependence for that source of eternal life. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was really a blessing to yeah. decree death yes. on Adam and Eve and their children, us, in our sinful state so that we don't live eternally in that state. Yeah. You know, uh, Derek mentioned this is when we think about the end times, in, it's such a weird statement. Mm -hmm. I want to revisit it, Revelation 9, that people will seek death and they will not find it. What in the world does this really even mean? And we could take it at straight value, which they're going to seek death and not find it, but what's the context? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I don't know. I, I think it could be something either technological. It could be something. Um, there's ideas about possible DNA with so-called extraterrestrials, or possibly the Antichrist himself. Could be something like that. Or it could even be just there's a resurgence of uh, witchcraft and things like that in the tribulation. The restrainers removed. So and that's why they're not repenting of their witchcraft and sorceries in the tribulation. So it, it could just be a product of that. There's a lot of different ways it could play out, but. It's weird, man. I mean, I can't, even, even today, 2022, I can't really think of what that is or what, what could cause that. Well, Sharon and I have actually been doing some study on this uh, for our last couple of books as we've been looking at the overlap between what uh, we were taught in high school as Greek mythology mm -hmm. and uh, the Bible and uh, the program that we produce each week called Unraveling Revelation. Mm -hmm. We named the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. We believe those were entities known to John and his readers in a Greek world, a world dominated by Greek theology. Death is Thanatos, mm -hmm. well-known entity in Greek mythology. In those days people will seek Thanatos, the rider on the pale mm -hmm. horse, and oh. he and will not find it. They will long to die, but Thanatos will flee mm -hmm. from them. Wow. And this is in the context of the fifth trumpet opening up, mm -hmm. which is the abyss. And I argue in my new book, The Second Coming of mm -hmm. Saturn, that what comes out of the abyss in Revelation 9 are the watchers of Genesis 6 mm -hmm. because we know from Peter and Jude they're the ones confined in chains and gloomy darkness yep. until the judgment. So again, if the transhumanists somehow manage to achieve immortality through science, somehow defeat death, um, that just means they're the ones without the seal of God on their foreheads who will be the uh, playthings for five months of the watchers, the sons of God from Genesis 6. And uh, they will wish they had not achieved what they yeah. sought. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, let's kind of wrap this up in the sense of, I mean, all of us, uh, we have families, friends, neighbors, coworkers, you know, all the above, and uh, we have children, grandchildren, depending on your age. Um, you know, here we are we're trying to think of things theologically, biblically. What do, we, what do you say, speak to the audience for those that maybe a mom is watching this or a dad or a grandma or grandpa, and they're hearing us discuss this. How do we speak to them and shape their, their biblical worldview? Well, the main thing I would say, especially as like a father of younger children, is just talk to your kids on a level they can understand, but don't hold anything back. So with 
uh, with me when I was growing up. I had, you know, I was, I was brought up in a Christian home, but there were a lot of things that were just kind of kept from me or just, you know, I, I would have questions and they just weren't answered. All that does is that causes the child, uh, the curious child who's asking the question in the first place, to go find an answer somewhere else. And a child isn't going to know what's okay and what isn't. So I went into new age, and I, I was heavily deceived for years because of that. So something as small as just not answering a question, you know, uh, can, can cause problems. So just if your kids have questions, like, we need to know this stuff. I need to look up more on the metaverse and understand, like, what is happening, what to warn our kids about. Uh, but if you can provide your children early enough with a foundation of, look, this is what to expect, this, this, you know, these things are good, these things are bad, here's why, this is what the Bible says. I think that's the, the best thing to do, just keeping co- uh, communication with them. Mm. The thing that, that, that struck Sharon and me as, as we've been diving deep into the Bible the last six years or so uh, is that most of us have been raised with a, a sort of bias in our churches that much of what we read in the Bible is not to be taken literally. Mm-hmm. That uh, if we have a supernatural enemy, it is Satan and demons, but most American Christians don't believe. In fact, most American Christians don't believe that Satan is real. Mm-hmm. So how much less will we take seriously the accounts uh, of the other weird parts of the Bible when God in the Old Testament calls these entities gods? Mm-hmm. When we read Job chapter 41 and the description of Leviathan, and Bible commentators will tell us that that's just a crocodile. Well, really? A crocodile that breathes fire? I mean, look, <laughs> if you properly understand what's going on in the Bible, God, capital G, God, calls the pagan gods of the, the world gods. He is also, he's already decreed a sentence of death on them. Psalm 82 is a courtroom scene in heaven. They have been influencing humanity for evil for millennia. And God said, though you are gods, all of you, sons of the Most High, like men you shall die and fall like any prince. That's why we wrote the book, Giants, Gods, and Dragons. Giants were real. Their spirits are still with us as demons. The gods of the nations are real. Sentence has been decreed, judgment yet to be carried out. Dragons, we know from Revelation. You've got the seven-headed red dragon, Mm -hmm. Satan. You've got the seven-headed beast that emerges from the sea. Guess what? That's what the ancient Mesopotamians believed dragons looked like. Mm -hmm. You've got this book that we have been given, that has been miraculously preserved for more than 2,000 years, is like the Lord of the Rings on steroids. And I think if we effectively teach this to our children and our grandchildren and get them excited, start with Job 41, dragons in the Bible. Guess what? God said they're real. They're real. Yeah. If, we get the, if, if we can teach them that they're in a story that is epic and that they have a role to play on this battlefield under which all of us have been placed, I think they'll grow up taking it far more seriously and they will then have the discernment to recognize what's going on when it comes their way, whether it's the metaverse or whether it's uh, just interactions on social media. They will understand how that fits into the grander, the, the, the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. But because most of us have been taught that most of the, uh, the characters in the Bible aren't real, most of us don't take it that seriously. Our kids take it even less seriously because for them, the virtual world is more real yeah. than the Word of God. You know, that's, uh, that's a great point because as we think about, the Bible doesn't give us the answer to every last uh, detailed uh, temptation by the enemy. But what it does do is, is, it, is it gives us the firm foundation to handle all of these things because, again, Satan will come with different manifestations of his temptations. But yeah. as we go back to Genesis 3, we see the foundation is there. You'll be as gods. You'll have your own, do whatever you want. And hey, you can live forever and, and just get, you don't want God. God's an enemy. So with that as a foundation, we see his antics, 
all throughout the rest of Scripture, coming different ways. Um, certainly in our culture, we see his antics coming, and he's using technology. But again, the root is the same. I mean, Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, that if we that we are to live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he said that in a context of spiritual temptation with Satan himself. And so Jesus is pointing us back to the sufficiency of the Word of God. And so as a parent, you've got to ask yourself, all of us, um, how much screen time? We were kind of joking. How much screen time should you, should you allow your kids or your, your grandkids? And we said the answer is zero. I mean, really, <laughs> exactly. that, that would be very safe. Get them a Bible. And, you know, but we also want to say that the Bible does have the answers at, at a foundational way. And yeah. if you extrapolate it out, it answers all of these things pretty easily. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, appreciate you being here. Thank Thanks you. for having us. This has been a great time for do a prophecy update, and we're this isn't going away. So we're going to continue to uh, to talk about the metaverse or some of these other really assaults on the sufficiency of the Word of God and the promise of the gospel of eternal life that truly can only be found through Jesus Christ. So we appreciate you watching, and we will see you next time.